up everybody to the nations worldwide this is episode 84 of the travel couple podcast where we introduce you to a couple travelers who offer their advice on how you can travel the world together while earning money living that travel lifestyle we are your hosts mike pletz and natalie tune in every wednesday as we interview couples living a travel lifestyle get relationship advice about being on the road with your significant other and listen how others are struggling and thriving in their personal and business lives while traveling the world this is your one-stop podcast for travel relationship and business goals in this episode we're joined by james and heather they're an american travel couple who have both been active in the industry for some time now and have a lot of great insight in this episode They talk with us about traveling apart from one another, how they've changed their online presence over time, and what differences they recognize within the industry since they both began. So without further ado, here's our interview with James and Heather. Today we are joined by James and Heather. James is the creator of Man Tripping, a website dedicated to men's lifestyle and travel, while Heather is the creator of Chick Vacations, a website dedicated to her passion for traveling and showcasing the great places that people need to know about. You can follow them online at mantripping.com and chickvacations.com. Hello James and Heather and welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? Hello. Thanks so much for joining me here today. I just want to get started to get to know a little bit more about the two of you. Can you give our audience a little bit of a rundown about maybe how you two met and how your relationship progressed to where it is today? Are you sure you want to know all that? <laughs> so we, we first met back in the early, well, I wouldn't say early days of the internet because the internet goes way back when, and I'm not that old. Uh, but uh, we met online through Yahoo Personals. And uh, it was kind of a weird, uh, a weird meeting in the fact that I had dated online for quite a while and never really worked out. But then, honestly, both of us were kind of just bored and wanted to go meet people and not really have anything to any, any uh, long term commitment. And so we we met up and the rest is history. Like <laughs> it wasn't like today's Tinder. Back <laughs> back in the old days, we were. We were more wholesome. It was just literally meeting up to have a friend to talk to and have dinner. 17 years, December 13th. Amazing. And then where were the two of you when you met? We were in uh, Northern Virginia slash Washington, D.C. Gotcha, gotcha. And then uh, as the relationship progressed, did you uh, move anywhere during that time or did you just stay uh, in one location together? We've moved a, a few times. Uh, from D.C., we moved up to uh, to Chicago. Well, first, we did. I ended up moving in with him and his roommate after three months. Then after three more months, we were engaged. And the next year, on New Year's Eve, we got married. So basically, from the time we met till the time we got married, it was a year. Amazing. And then where did this love of travel come into your relationship? Did one kind of influence the other to get out and travel more? Or did you two both come in with, into this relationship with a love of travel? I would say I came in. My parents raised me with a bunch of a lot of travel, especially United States travel. Um, you know, we took long family summer vacations and, and – uh, did ski trips and that kind of stuff. And so really had a lot of opportunity to explore the U S and Canada, uh, growing up. And that expanded my interest and my passion for not just doing the, the marquee kind of stuff. I mean, some of my friends were 
come back from Christmas vacation, be like, oh, I just went skiing in the Alps. What did you do? Like, oh, I went to Denver. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, 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 that kind of was my foundation. And then Heather. I really didn't get to travel. My mom was sick when I was younger. And then my dad does not like to leave his area. <laughs> So I never really got to travel in the spots I did. I'm from Ohio. So, of course, you know, you go to Florida to visit your relatives. And that was about it. But I always wanted to travel more. I remember in high school, I got to go to Chicago and everyone was calling home, you know, like homesick. And I'm like, why is everyone calling home? I want to live here. I don't want to leave. And I always knew I wanted to travel. And I was always very active and seeing out, seeking out things to do in the community wherever I lived. Like I moved to DC, not ever have gone there. And so right away, I just wanted to explore, you know, non-touristy and touristy stuff and just see all I could see. And that's kind of how I like to do travel is to see everything and specifically how, you know, what do the people do who live there? Which leads me into our first question, getting into talking about more about your travels together. And, and that's simply, it's a two-word question that's it's a very simple question, but for so many couples, it has such a complex response. And that's simply, why travel? Why not? You only live once. And that's such a great answer for sure. James, do you have a different answer you'd want to share? Well, I don't want to repeat what she just said, so I'll invent something else that makes the time <laughs> intelligent. No, but in all seriousness, I think that without traveling, you get complacent and you don't understand how good your own area is, and you don't have exposure to opportunities to to make your own area better. And uh, I think that's been pretty special to me because honestly, a lot of people piss on the United States. And, uh, you know, I know you're in Canada, so, but you're an honorary American as far as I'm concerned, because we might leave and join you guys up north at some point. Uh, but, but in all seriousness, everyone kind of says, like, all oh, U.S. sucks. I'm sure the Canadians say the same thing about their own country. But when you, when you go overseas and you realize, like, a lot of stuff that we think is, is standard, like safety regulations and, uh, security and, and being able to walk down the street generally in a city and not have a, you know, pickpocket. And then you realize that in Europe, it's not that way. In Asia, it's not that way. And you come home and you realize, hey, you know what? It's not so bad being at home. I like this place. And uh, continuing with that, where were the two of you last? Where are you right now? And then where are you going to be traveling to next? Depending on how you count last. Um, would be Key West. We're last, last would be Key West. But last, what was our last trip outside of Florida? Well, my last trip was not with her. It was in Kansas City to shoot pictures of a burger and try barbecue, which by the way, Kansas city is an awesome place that I really hope I can go back for more than like 20 hours. Um, but where did we go last as a, as a couple? Oh, Sonoma. Oh yeah. 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 Sonoma. Uh, went up there on a wine, uh, a wine trip and had an amazing time. And, uh, now we're really getting excited to help them re-promote what's, uh, what's still there and that they're, that they're back in business. Uh, shout out to the, all the people that were amazing up there, the hospitality. Uh, Sonoma is a cool place that non pretentious, uh, laid back, fun, great food, great people, great wine, of course. Uh, lots of other stuff to do to do there too. Where we are right now is in 
Tavernier. I think yes. it's pronounced. Yeah, I did pronounce it correctly. Tavernier Key. Tavernier Key in uh, on the Florida Keys, about halfway up, uh, kind of between Isla Morada and Gilargo. And uh, we are at this awesome little place that we're so sad. You know, even if the new owners are are going to be are amazing, it's going to be different. The place we're at is Island Bay Resort, and it is. Super kitschy, kitschy, cute. Great. It's it's all it's for adults only. More of a romantic type. It's got uh, what ten cottages, twelve cottages, ten cottages, ten cottages a nice little beach area. Um, it is so cute. It's a probably nineteen fifties era motel that that got rebuilt, and um, we are right on the water, right on the, on, on the bay uh, bay side. Got stand up paddle boards and kayaks and stuff, and it's really not that expensive. I'm not sure what the actual price is, but it's. It was shockingly affordable. It's between one fifty to two fifty, depending on yeah. time of year. But the owner was really cool. And uh, then, as we're leaving this morning uh, to go on our do different things around town, we noticed a travel agent or a uh, real estate agent was there. And for the rest of the day, Heather tried to figure out how we could come up with four and a half million dollars <laughs> to, to buy it. And sadly, you know, we're about four point nine million short on that four point five. <laughs> A million bill. But, Mike, if you want to, you know, 4.5 million uh, Canadian is a lot easier to achieve than 4.5 uh, American. So maybe maybe if you invest with us, they can flip that to 4.5 Canadian instead. That's good. Now, um, on this podcast, we've had quite a few couples come on the show and really talk about traveling locally or traveling domestically because – we feel like that's such a topic that is left out. When we talk about travel, a lot of people just talk about international travel, going to different, you know, different countries and, and, you know, spending lots of money on that plane ticket to go when there's so much to visit in our own backyards. Have you guys kind of recently gotten into, you know, traveling Florida, traveling this, the United States, or has this always been something that you guys have always uh, sought out? Well, I originally started my site to be traveling with your girlfriends and going specifically United States within the states. And I had a goal to see all 50 states um, actually do something, not just land at the airport, <laughs> to actually do something in all 50 states by the time I was 40. And I accomplished that last year. I've been to Florida many times. I, I'm proud to say that I've explored every state and I've gotten to see things people would never expect. And I think it's really important to know what, you know, whatever country you're in, it's important to know what your country has to offer. And to assume that everything's the same is, I don't want to say dumb. I want to be more polite than that. But, you know, there's so much diversity within everyone's country to um, you should explore and find out what what's there first. Yeah, and I would agree with her. I think it's especially interesting as we've traveled around the country, uh, certainly in, in places like New York or Chicago or Los Angeles, and uh, I've been to the same way in, in Toronto or Vancouver. They're, they're big cities, and they, they attract international visitors, uh, and, it's, and it's kind of normal. But the more places we've traveled around the country, more I realize that there's Australians and Germans and uh, and Chinese and Japanese that are they're going to places in our own country that most Americans don't think about. Like, for instance, we were at this. Um, I think he passed away, unfortunately, but yeah. uh, like the King Biscuit, the King Biscuit Flower Hour 
uh, was the oldest talk radio show in the country. It's, this guy had been doing it since World War II, and uh, now it's inside of a museum. But when we arrived, there was a couple from Australia who had been listening to this show on the Armed Services Radio Network for for you know decades, and they were they were really excited to go there. But most Americans wouldn't even have blinked to do that. Today, I'm I'm at a at a uh, marina where a bunch of uh, fishing trips are, are coming in. I'm just talking to the guy in the in the bathroom line, and he's from Germany and had flown here to go tarpon fishing. In you know, you look around and you say, okay, that's that's kind of crazy that a lot of Americans aren't doing these kind of things where we're going to you know, a beach resort in uh, you know in Thailand or going you know uh, uh, skiing in the Alps as opposed to actually going to explore our own country or to be fair to exploring the true culture of these other countries too. And I mean, there's so much diversity in, in a country, uh, and in culture, in a country as large as the United States, as large as Canada, and we just feel it, it's it's you know doing yourself a disservice of you know not traveling your own country. Exactly. Uh, and, and and to be fair, I, you know, as much as I love exploring this country, there's tons of opportunities around the world too. So I mean, I don't want to knock those things. But I also want to make sure that Americans especially understand the wonders of our own country. Like, for instance, I've drank I've had wine from a winery in North Dakota and a lot of wine people sit there and go like, oh, I'm going to go to Bordeaux. And that's that's cool. But like our own country has amazing wine regions, too. Not not that North Dakota is an amazing wine region, but just as a, as a point of diversity in our own country. And moving on to talk more about your two's travel experiences, I mean, travel has so many different experiences that that you go through. You know, you have these ups, these downs, uh, many different things to talk about. And I want to start with the most rewarding travel experience that you two have shared together. What is that t- that time together that just really opened up your eyes to travel or, you know, an experience with a local or at a destination that just really blew you away? Do you have an experience like that you'd want to share? I don't know if we have an experience that opened up our eyes to travel because we were pretty much already disciples of, of travel. Um, but I think that I think the North Dakota road trip we did really was was pretty awesome in terms of you know, seeing a part of the country where most people don't go and discovering there's all sorts of really cool stuff, like, you know, to the point about the wine. So that wine tasting we did at, at this uh, place, uh, oh, was it just north of Bismarck? And we're sitting around, we had, we had a, the tasting went on for way longer than a typical tasting. And the guy looks at us and, and he knew that we talked about the fact that we liked cars, like road trips and that kind of stuff. He goes, you ever driven a combine? I'm like, where would I ever driven a combine before? And, you know, an hour later, I'm sitting in the cab of his brother or his cousin and Heather sitting in the, uh, the cab of his brother or cousin's wife. Um, and we're driving combine, like these $750,000 machines harvesting soybeans. And, you know, that's not a typical thing that, that's going to be on the, uh, on the itinerary for, you know, for a trip to North Dakota, obviously. But it was one of those things that, as you get to know these people and you get to meet people and see different different cultures, you're going to, if you have the mentality of opening your eyes and letting things roll, it's all sorts of really cool stuff. And there's all sorts of hidden gems, not just in North Dakota, but all over the country. But that road trip really, we spent, what, four days, five days, we did a, a circle around the entire state. And um, I thought that was a, a pretty eye-opening 
experience for both the what's in, available in North Dakota, but also with us as a couple spending that much time together in the car. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, turning this into a different direction, uh, what about... You know, these experiences that we have that maybe we want to forget about or we can look back on and laugh. What about these awkward, embarrassing or hilarious travel experiences? Do you have one you'd want to share? You know, I don't know. I, I think that in terms of awkward or embarrassing, I, I think I don't care. <laughs> I, I, think we're, I think we're blessed in the fact that we've had some real stuff in our lives and like some couples worry about the toilets or the door to the um, the bathroom being open or, oh, my God, I can't let him smell me if, if I don't have deodorant on or makeup on. And like those those things have all gone away as far as us. You know, not that we don't enjoy our privacy, not that we don't want to look good for each other. But I, I think, uh, you know, if you're sitting in a, in a car with somebody for, you know, for eight hours at a time or 10 hours at a time, like somebody's going to fart. Somebody, somebody's going to burp. And, uh, you either go, you can hit, hit the person and get upset about the fact that they made a smile or a noise, or you can just laugh and fart back at them. Well, I'm ta- I think he means also like things that have, that we've done that have been embarrassing. But I, you know what? I think both of us <laughs> just, when something embarrassing happens, it has to be really embarrassing to like really move us. Cause we don't, I don't, I don't want to say we don't care, but you know, we move on <laughs> for sure. And, and I mean, obviously you two are really uh, comfortable with each other to, to the point where, you know what, you may not get, get embarrassed around each other. And maybe there's times that, uh, you know, you might have these awkward experiences, but you know what, you're, you're so comfortable with one another that they, they don't even phase you at this point. Yeah. I mean, certainly we've, we've had stuff that's been, I don't think that's personally awkward, but, We've got pet peeves. That's different, though. <laughs> I, I think if, if, there was, if there was one thing that had a, an awkward moment, it wasn't necessarily an awkward of Heather, um, but it was awkward because I feel I felt like, oh, like what did I what did I just get this guy to do? So we're on a road trip, and I'm not going to say the manufacturer, but we're on a road trip with a really nice luxury car, like a seventy, eighty thousand dollar car, and it starts rattling and making noises, and we're Heading from Vegas through back roads to uh, San Diego, there's a uh, Sunday afternoon. There's literally nothing between those two cities. And but I'm not going to drive this car and to the point where it breaks down completely. So we stopped at a gas station fix it area and the guy uh, offers to help fix, you know, fix the car. And he looks at it and goes, yeah, I can fix this. So he takes an exacto knife and cuts out part of the lining underneath the car. And I'm like, Oh, sh- this guy just, you know, sliced up the car that had to return to the fleet company as if it was like, you know, repairing some 1970s, you know, beater. Um, but it gets worse than that in the fact that he refused to take money. So I happen to have a whole stack of uh, Carl's Jr. gift cards and a half a case of beer in the back. I said, hey, if you, if you, if you refuse to take money, uh, like at least at least take this, you know, let me, let me give that to you and, and, you know, call it even. And he, he took that and then we talked for another 15, 20 minutes and they mentioned something about that he's an alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, so I just, I just forced a case of beer onto a guy that like, maybe did I just push him off the wagon. And I have no idea what, what the circumstance was. Maybe he was, maybe he was just a really good guy. I'm going to give it to his brother or his son or something, but that was totally awkward in that, that kind of thing where, 
I didn't want to ask any more questions. I just wanted to get back on the road and and hope for the best for him. But uh, that's probably the most awkward travel situation I've had um, that hopefully had a good resolution. You know, there's there's also downs when when you're traveling. The times that uh, you know the bad experiences. Do you have a bad experience or your worst travel experience you'd want to share? I know we have some. It, it didn't end up being the worst, I suppose, because we we kind of laughed about it. But for whatever reason, we used to go camping, and for whatever reason, that's <laughs> uh, exactly where I'm going in this one. For whatever reason, the weather in Kentucky just hated us whenever we went, whenever we tried to go camping. I guess it wasn't just Kentucky; it was oh, Illinois too. We can't do camping. That's why I won't go camping anymore. So Mother Nature decides to to rain on us whenever we try to go camping. Um, this one time we were camping in in central Kentucky. And um, it turned out that I guess it was a, a tornado not too far from where we were, but it collapsed our tent. And so we, we had tried to put the tent up in the rain or in the, in the wind anyhow, and then trying to put, take it down and pack it back up in the car in the rain and the, and the horrible wind with our dog as well was a pretty gnarly situation. But we managed to do that. Then we managed to get in the car, kind of have maybe, I don't know, an hour of sleep. And then we decided, hey, you know what? Like this, this sucks. We're just gonna, we're not gonna be able to sleep well in the campground. Let's see, see if we can find a hotel. So we just started driving. At this point, like imagine, like, imagine a couple that had been sleeping in a tent in the rain with a tent collapsed, covered in mud, sweaty, hair disheveled, and this very sweet lady at the hotel. Because I'm sorry, sir. Or no, I, I checked and I said, well, since it's since it's two o'clock in the morning and we're gonna be leaving by ten. You know, is there a way to give me like a late check-in discount or something like that? I just need a few hours of sleep. I'm sorry, sir. We don't rent by the hour here. It was a it was a pretty nasty. We ended up paying the full amount. I mean, it wasn't that much, like a hundred hundred bucks or hundred twenty bucks. But that was probably one of the one of the worst travel moments. But at the same time, we just roll with a lot of shit. So I'm done with camping, though. I said I'm just. I mean, I used to like camping, but now every time we go camping, something happens. Either something deflates or I don't know. It's just not good. I'm done. <laughs> Obviously, you two have been through a lot together. You've done quite a bit together. You've traveled extensively. How do you feel traveling has affected your relationship together? And in, in what aspects has it affected your relationship or changed your relationship somehow? Well, he travels a lot more than I do. So... Sometimes I get a little mad at times because he's gone. I'm like, where are you going? I need to be going too. But, um, no, I think we learn. I mean, we work together. We, you know, obviously live together. So we're around each other a lot. So when one person leaves, usually him, it's it just changes everything because we're so used to being together all the time. How does that kind of affect the relationship together? Do you guys kind of have a a system as to, you know, how you're going to keep in touch with each other when you're traveling? Or do you have, like, uh, different different ways of keeping in touch? And, or, uh, like, a system as to, you know, how many times a year you can travel without without, uh, being together? Like, do you know what I'm trying to get at there? I know James has traveled with a lot of other guys who their wives constantly call them or they text them. And really, honestly, most of the time I tell James, 
you know, text me when you have free time at night or, you know, we always call each other at night no matter what. Sometimes we talk in the morning, but the problem is in the morning, he could be on a whole different time zone and I don't want to be woke up at four o'clock in the morning or five o'clock in the morning. Usually I just, you know, we try to catch up with each other at night. So continuing with that, I guess what I was trying to ask is like, how do you come come into agreement about, you know, what time you're going to call each other, how often in the day you're going to keep in contact. Like, that's always been something that's difficult, especially in mine and, and Natalie's uh, experiences together. You know, keeping that, that open form of communication, is this something that you guys talk about regularly or before you go on a trip? I don't think we ever established something. I think it just, we've just done stuff and we're, We've put on a lot of events too together and it it does kind of annoy us when one person, you know, is constantly checking their text messages because their family member, you know, they're talking to their wife or whatever and it, it wrecks the experience. Unless there's an emergency, you know, then it's understandable. But, you know, like I said, when we've run events for um, different corporations and stuff, you know, you want people to experience everything. So that's, I guess I always think about that aspect of, you know, I'm, I'm traveling. We, you know, a lot of our travels hosted what I don't want to disrespect my host. I, I think also part of that is a, a higher level awareness in that she knows I, I sent her my flight itinerary. I sent her my uh, the itinerary that the PR company puts together. So Heather generally knows where I'm at, what I'm supposed to be doing. I yeah, I always ask just. And so it's not like it's a black box that that she's like, oh, I know he is in Kansas today. I don't know where he's at, what he's doing. And so there's some there's some familiarity there, and maybe it sounds kind of creepy, but like I I know that she has my she can look on her phone and see where I'm at on Google Maps. I never do though. Uh, but you could if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. And you know I'm not sure what happened to I think she turned that feature off for me because I used to be able to see that on hers as well. <laughs> and it, and it, it sounds like it sounds kind of stalkerish, but it also gives an opportunity to have comfort and know that like okay you know she's there or he's there. But I don't, yeah, beyond that, beyond just having a good sense of trust, I mean, I don't, I've never worried about where she going, who she hanging out with. I don't think she'd ever really had that theory. We've been doing this now for so long that if there was going to be some insecurity or there's going to be some, some concern about, you know, what's he doing? Who's he doing it with? That sounds bad. Um, that, they, that those things would have worked their way out one way or the other and and luckily for us they worked that worked out in a good way absolutely and, and it is about i mean a, a couple of points that i kind of want to highlight about what you guys were just uh talking about there is is the trust factor that you two have obviously established the communication uh methods that you've obviously established and but but also you know respecting one another and respecting that you know one of them one uh, side of the relationship is traveling and when you're traveling you want to make the most of your time you want to make the most of what you're doing in the destination and that that involves a, a an aspect of respect from the person that may want to you know communicate with them ongoing but you know what you got to also respect them and let them do their thing exactly i mean if there's an emergency then yes I would call her, hopefully, you know, he would call me 
we talk at night and we talk for like a half an hour or so. And usually he's, you know, exhausted or I'm exhausted. And, and and kind of continuing with that point, I really love that you two have established, you know, this this sense of uh, trust and, and respect in, in one another. But not just that, but, you know, knowing who you are as a as an individual outside of the relationship is is just as important in uh, in fostering a relationship together. I feel like so many couples lose a sense of who they are as an individual and in turn uh, it, it, it affects the relationship negatively. Would you agree with something like that? And I, I think that you know, while I might be somewhat different without Heather and Heather might be somewhat different without me uh, than we are when we're together on an, on an event, I think generally I'm James still, even if I'm on a, I'm in a blog trip with a bunch of guys. In comparison, I think some of my some of my male friends have vastly different personalities when they're with their wives. And so I think that the, the traveling and, and and not just the traveling, I think we've been, you know, in, in our lives together, we've been through a load of shit. I mean, we've been blessed that nothing has been truly disastrous, but between layoffs and moves and starting companies and getting, you know, screwed by partners and recovering from disasters in business, we've kind of just learned that there's more life than, than worrying about stuff that, you know, she's, she's strong enough to kick me in the butt when, when I did something bad and I'm strong enough to sometimes cower and, Suggest that she should do something differently. I know he misses <laughs> me when he's gone because he he might send me a text. I mean, I, mean, I probably won't don't respond right away. He'll be like, "Oh, I wish you were here." <laughs> oh, this is fun. I guess it's little things too. Like whenever and I he sounded just like that. So. <laughs> I guess it's, it's little things too. Like when I whenever I fly, I, I let her know, you know, like, hey, we just, we just landed in here, or hey, I'm on the plane. So the the anxiety points aren't uh you know can be alleviated by that i don't even know if she ever reads that stuff but but i think those things help and you don't really do a lot of travel on your own so i don't have a a counterpoint to talk about what you do well i will admit i am i do get anxiety and a lot of my anxiety i it does happen from flying i feel like i'm too enclosed in the space so i really don't want to fly alone because if I have someone to talk to, it takes my mind off of it. And everyone's like, oh, just pop a pill. You'll be fine. Well, to me, that makes me feel like I don't have any control and I want to have some kind of control. So we, when I travel, yes, it's usually with someone um, going somewhere if it's on a plane. Because, I, you know, you think you get over it. And I just... It's one of those things, the confined space and not having control over it gets this control freak going a little crazy. <laughs> kind of wrapping up this this relationship talk here, do you two have any advice you'd want to give another couple out there that's maybe going on their first trip together? Or maybe it's a couple that are traveling separately for the first time. Uh, do you have any advice in terms of what you, what you would tell them? Well, if you're traveling together, like James said earlier, we do have, I mean, it's okay to have different interests than your significant other. So, I mean, it's like 
when we're on a cruise, he doesn't want to really do anything. And I want to go do all the activities that you can find. So, and I used to be upset that he didn't go with me. And now I'm like, well, why would I want him there if he's not happy? So I just go and do it. And then, you know, I come back and then we do things we want to do together. It's okay to do something separate if the other doesn't want to. Don't get upset about that. Like, if you want to go to one museum and the other one doesn't, yes, you could negotiate. But it's not bad to just say, okay, I'm going to go here. I'll meet up with you later. A lot of people think that you have to do everything on a trip together, and you don't. And I think along with that, too, is if your partner wants to do something that maybe you wouldn't have thought about, maybe give it a, give it a thought before you reject it, too. Like as, a, as an example, God, I don't even I don't even know. Yeah, I don't even know what data is now. So maybe three days ago, two days ago, uh, down in Key West, Heather really wanted to go to the Butterfly Museum, conservatory, the Butterfly yeah. like Conservatory, something or other. And to be honest, I don't think most men really get excited about butterflies. But I kind of said, okay, well let's yeah we'll we'll do that. And it was pretty cool actually. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I would be hard pressed to put that into a roundup of, you know, five great things that guys will love in, in Key West. But you know what? Like, guys need to get over it sometimes because it was a pretty cool experience. Yeah, he looked like Snow White walking through the forest with all the butterflies flying around him. I got a video of that. <laughs> and, 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 that's, and that's exactly the, the masculine <laughs> thing that you want to be talked about, you know, on a on a site called Man Tripping. <laughs> this is kind of, that, that level of comfort, I think, makes our relationship special. And I think that a lot of guys should sometimes just roll with it and, and enjoy what they have. A man tripping and chick vacations. I, I want to get into a little bit about what you two have got going on over there. And, and starting with, where did... Where did the two names come from? How did this kind of come in, into development? Well, I started my site first, and I always wanted to have something about women traveling together because one of my influences, my aunt, always traveled with her friends. They'd go for weekend getaways, and they always called themselves um, women of the woods because they usually would go camping, but not tent camping. I'll, I'll put it that way. And they always had a great time. And I always wanted a bunch of friends like that, too, that could go do stuff. So I started looking at places you could go with your girlfriends to have a good, you know, weekend getaway. Unfortunately, when I started, all my friends started having kids, too. (laughs) So that kind of stopped that. But at the same time, James was helping me put my site together. And he didn't see anything about guys. So he's like, hey, there should be a market for guy stuff, whether it's with your friends or family or whatever. Yeah, and to to clarify the thing about, she said about the stuff for guys, the stuff that was out there for men's travel and men's lifestyle was things like Maxim, Playboy, honestly things that were, just, that were aimed at a, at a 21, 22-year-old kind of adolescent boy. I guess 22 isn't really adolescent, but um, let's say a single man and a man driven by sexuality. And that wasn't where I was. And that wasn't something that I could share with my wife. But there's more to you know, a, a Maxim style uh, editorial calendar it just wasn't something that I was comfortable of you know, promoting. So I wanted to promote stuff that you know wasn't the hangover. 
that a group of guys could go and do together and, and have an awesome time that, you know, wasn't going to get you in trouble with your, with your spouse, your partner. And that uh, kind of, uh, it, it picked up and that's where I went. And around the same time that I started the site, the uh, movie, the breakup had come out. And so Vince Vaughn had coined the term mancation and there was two or three other sites that came out. There was mancation and the original mancation. And then I think there was another uh, variation on that. And I said, well, I'm not going to fight over this, this word. I'm going to create something that I can own. And uh, that's how I created man tripping. And the challenge now to be completely honest is I've actually started seeing news media, people referring to, you know, man trips and, and, uh, that kind of stuff. And I may have lost the ability to trademark that, that term. But at the same time, I'm kind of happy that, you know, 10 years later, the term that I coined is being used by more than the word mincation was is now. So I understand where, where it's coming from, where you two, you know, decided to, to create these sites. But, you know, with, with creating a website, with documenting your travels and all this work that goes into it, what made you want to continue with all this? Like, you know, how did you go about growing, growing your audience and uh, where did you take it from there? Ten years ago was a different time for bloggers. And I think it was much easier to start because quite literally there was a there was a starved media marketplace for people who are writing about stuff. And so we got invited to really awesome opportunities that it was almost no reach that, quite frankly, I wouldn't be even considered for today. And that would, that drove a lot of stuff. But at the time we started, it was right around the time the dot com implosion happened and we had time, um, and an office, but no money to travel. And so we just kind of kept writing enough to get, uh, get free trips. And that was kind of cool. That motivated us at the time. From there, I got invited to join Sears to run their influencer program. And then later I worked for a couple other, um, uh, large e-commerce companies. I put Manship on the back burner because it was difficult in a corporate world to be able to, uh, to say, Hey, I'm going to go off to, you know, the Virgin Islands today to go on a yacht, a yacht trip or, Hey, I'm going to go on a ski trip because it just didn't, you know, didn't work out so well that way. Unfortunately, but fortunately, I guess long term, I went through a series of layoffs after the, layoff that brought me to San Diego, I kind of said, Hey, you know what? I've been doing this thing in the corporate world for the past five or six years. I know how the, the industry works and let's just go ahead and, and do this full time. So I identified things outside of travel that would pay money and figured out how to recalibrate my content to include those things as well as simply to figure out ways to select the travel opportunities that would best allow me to create the content that I needed to create to attract people. And so that's where we're at today that, you know, certain things like, you know, a pair of shoes or a health brand or, you know, a movie release might pay me money, but a trip like this uh, in the keys uh, provides me with an opportunity to create content that people want to, to follow me for and want to learn more about man tripping with. And so it's a, it's a blend of, of both. And the ultimate motivating factor, quite frankly, is that I don't want to have to go get a cubicle job again. You know, I don't, I don't know when I'm going to retire. I don't know when I'm going to, you know, do the next phase of my life, but I don't want to be forced into sitting there at a desk 
because I need to make money. So you brought up monetization. How has those monetizations, uh, how has that kind of developed over time? Like, how have you seen um, companies coming to you for these sponsored posts or uh, companies coming to you to, um, you know, work with you? How has that changed over time? Well, for, for us, and I think a lot of novice travel writers, travel media people, when you first start out, you're kind of like, cool. You mean, I can go to this fun place and... I don't have to pay for anything. Uh, and, and truthfully, that's where we started off, too. Uh, my first trip, a good friend of mine invited me out to uh, to his resort, well, the resort that he was repping in uh, New Jersey. I don't think he actually intended me to, to say yes or to come or to show up. But uh, we hopped in the car from Chicago and drove out to New Jersey to go get a free hotel night. Uh, it was it was a cool, uh, cool resort and a great experience. But for some people, that's enough. For us, as it's evolved... What I um, what we've determined is the fact that just going on a free vacation isn't isn't worth it because it takes a lot of effort and it's not you're not really getting a free vacation anyhow. So looking for ways that we can make money on that, uh, we tried travel consulting and, and selling itineraries to people, but that ended up being a lot of money for a lot of effort for a little bit of time, a little bit of uh, uh, of compensation. Uh, I make money on on ads on my site and I make money looking for brands that, that are willing to, to pay to get exposure to my audience. A lot of the, the travel media still looks at what we do as free vacations and they look at it as compensation enough. You know, I've, and I've had that said to me pretty explicitly sometimes that, you know, why would I, why would I pay you? I just put you on a, uh, at a four star resort in a, in a great area. I'm not going to debate the value because they are pretty firm in, in their perspective and I have the right to either go or not go. But companies like Jack Links, for instance, is a sponsor of mine. Um, I have four bags of Jack Links in my suitcase, uh, because I'm going to go actually, I shot the, I shot the Instagram picture that I needed already, but uh, a good blogger friend of mine, uh, Rick from Rick on the rocks is going to be with us on the boat tomorrow. And we're probably going to do some bonus content because I like the brand and they've been good to me and I'm hoping that they'll re-up the contract. But that's not, that's how I pay my bills. And that kind of has, has evolved over time in that um, we found brands that are willing to, to fit into our, our way of life. Now I'm really excited to, to explore things and see how the travel advisor stuff works because the more I've realized what we're doing versus what the travel agents have been doing is they are the ultimate influencer with travel. Ultimately, I can tell you how wonderful Norwegian Cruise Lines is, and I can tell you how much fun we have, and I can even tell you what ships they're doing. And you can email me, and I can say, hey, Mike, you know, for, for you, I think you'd have a lot of fun on, on Norwegian Encore because we're going to go to uh, the Bahamas. And you're like, sweet, James, that's awesome. And then you go to ncl.com and you book it. Okay, well, I just threw, I literally just threw hundreds or thousands of dollars out the window there. Whereas the travel agent does a lot of the same stuff that I do, but they're doing it on a very personal basis where she ends up putting together a customer base of people who trust her and value her opinion to the point where they're willing to let her book their travel together. And so being able to combine my, my large reach, Heather's large reach on check vacations, with the ability to actually book the travel, 
I think is a is a home run. And I the more I look in the industry, I'm I'm shocked with how it's not come together already, because being able to combine the marketing with the ultimate sales thing at the bottom of the funnel should be a win for everybody. Why haven't you come together and, and made like a combination travel couple blog? Or is it is it because like there's just so much work to do with with each each person's blog? My blog, I've done a lot more social media than I have blog stuff recently. Um, keeping up with a lot of the social stuff. And we also have another group that we put together a lot of experiences for as well. So we work on that aspect. And coming together, it would we we kind of do have something on his site, on James's site, but you'd have to look for what it. We tro- I, I think the so we do do combined content, but I think the the true simple answer to that is that as much as we love each other, um, and much we have fun traveling together, for true success, at least in our relationship, I'm not going to judge anybody else's relationship. But for us, it's it's important to have stuff that's ours also. Heather gets very competitive. <laughs> I know that so for with with the travel agent stuff, as as enthusiastic as I a travel advisor stuff, as enthusiastic as I am about helping her, I also have to re- recognize that that's hers, and that she needs to do that um, on her own. I am fully willing to help, but it's it's good to have stuff that she's in control of. Just like she knows that she's willing, she's able to step up and, and you know offer me suggestions or offer me advice, and she's very helpful behind the scenes, you know, helping me select some Instagram pictures and that kind of stuff uh, for man tripping. But she also recognizes that man tripping is mine, and I think that dynamic would change if it was couples tripping. Because we started a site called uh, A Couple Places, but it just uh, it it just wasn't the right fit at the time and maybe it'll be a fit in the future we've started a few things um, on youtube that have started and then fizzled and may continue like for instance we're what do we start the um the youtube a, a, a wheel, wheel a, couple a wheel couple <laughs> on youtube i think we have one video before we ran into some technical issues i don't know that's something that we haven't really that we haven't really done and we may do it, but in the meantime, like I said, she's got her travel advisor stuff, she's got the social media stuff, and she also freelances for a variety of uh, women's publications. So she's got her hands full. And there's, there's, I think there's enough travel couples that run stuff together. Like one of the ones that I that I love is uh, Chubby in a way. Uh, I think it's, I think that's their uh, their site. Um, it's a couple from um, from Texas that does a great job on YouTube talking about uh, you know couples travel. I thought you were going to talk about Two Monkeys Travel. And Two Monkeys Travel Group. Which is now Mr. and Mrs. Howe. So it's just something that I don't I don't feel that we necessarily uh, need to go into that marketplace. Now, the two of you have been at this, uh, you know, your, your websites have been there for quite some time now. And you kind of touched on this a little bit, but how has the the environment for blogs and the, you know, how has this kind of developed over time? What's been the biggest change within this industry? So I would say the biggest change is social media. And I, I hit social media, ironically, I would say late 
because as social media became a big factor, I was in the corporate world. And oh. so, and so I missed, with the exception of Twitter, I missed the early, I missed the glory days where you could grow a Facebook page from, you know, 5,000 to 10,000 to 20,000 just by doing a few tricks. Um, and the same with Instagram. I, I just didn't get Instagram. And so I started late because when both of us started our blogs, we couldn't the, the, get into Facebook anyway. It was just college is when we started. Well, yeah, because it wasn't there. But when we started, PR companies were looking for uh, for written written word and great photos and that kind of stuff, which we were able to produce. And as uh, as things have shifted, uh, the focus seems to be now on this ever um, ever challenging world of social media algorithms and PR companies chasing short term leads and short term gains instead of looking at long term value. So, for instance. I make a significant amount of money on, on Instagram today that I don't want to undercut the platform because I, I value the money and I value the partners who are, who are paying me money to promote stuff on there. But the long-term value in a well-written blog post that is promoted and will always exist on my blog is far greater than an Instagram post. And yet that's what the PR agencies are, are chasing and that's what the brands are chasing right now. And as things pop up, like uh, Snapchat, um, the entire world just swung over to Snapchat for about three months, and then they gave up. So people who created huge Snapchat accounts and then abandoned them. The same thing is happening to TikTok right now, uh, where all of a sudden people are saying, oh, God, i got to create my TikTok accounts, and brand accounts are, are saying they want TikTok influencers. And instead of focusing on actually owning your audience, you're creating these outposts in social media um, networks that you're at the complete mercy of the owner of those networks, as opposed to building up your own email list and your own uh, um, content on your, on your website. So that's been a huge challenge for us. So having said that, would you two say that um, for anybody wanting to pursue this, this type of lifestyle, where would you recommend them to start? Like, what what kind of what platform or what what direction would you point them in? So I, I know this runs contrary to what I just said uh, in terms of, of owning your stuff and creating it on a platform that you like or that, that you own. Um, I probably wouldn't start a blog today. I think that the the content consumption patterns have shifted pretty dramatically, and quite frankly, it's, it's a lot of work. But I would I would say probably on YouTube or possibly Twitch, uh, depending on what direction you're going with your content. If you're targeting a younger demographic, but I would say definitely definitely video, and then being able to augment it with other you know long long form stuff on your um, on your blog and simply saving those video files, because uh, um, it'd be a lot easier for Heather and I to start a YouTube channel and just invest just in that, as opposed to right now. It drives her crazy because what should be a, you know, a, a two-minute walk from the from the steps of a tour bus to the entrance to a museum ends up being about 15 minutes because I need to shoot photos in uh, landscape and shoot photos in portrait mode and then photos with my DSLR and then some video because I'm trying to maintain uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, a little bit of uh, TikTok, um, and I'm starting to do YouTube stuff now too. So. It's a lot of content uh, creation that we're both doing, 
And I think that if we were starting from scratch, we'd probably just focus on, on YouTube. Uh, but watching our backs to make sure that YouTube ends up being the, uh, uh, the platform for, for long term. That's what, uh, videos, it, video seems to be the king right now. Having all this work, like you said, uh, and managing all this, cause it is a ton of work and I don't think a lot of people recognize that when they're first starting out. But how do you balance that with your trip? Uh, and I mean, with both of you creating content and, you know, still trying to have fun with your travels, do you capture it all in the, in the moment and then come home and edit? Or how do you, you know, how do you juggle all this work? No, I, I think that's a, that's a great question because that I haven't fully answered. On many trips that we do that they're, that are shorter, a three day or a four day, even, a, you know, four or five day, it's relatively easy for us to do what we can live, whether that's Instagram stories or tweets. And then for Instagram static posts, I need to have time to edit those and, and publish those on man tripping. But I also run James Hill's Instagram account. That's more of a raw, un, unedited, uh, uncensored approach. Uh, nothing, you know, blue there, but it's just kind of a, I don't feel the pressure. If I, if I want to post a picture of a snail, just because a snail looks cool, I can do that on that handle because I really don't care about the raw number of followers or the raw number of likes. Uh, whereas on the man tripping account, uh, everything has to be measured because everything's being being evaluated by potential sponsors. But as you know, the amount of stuff is piling up on this trip. I think making sure that you have time to to catch up, make sure you have time every night to uh, to work on stuff. And that's something that a lot of PR people don't quite get uh you know i'll go on a trip where you get you start at seven o'clock in the morning and you're going till nine o'clock at night and there's no time to to rest but there's also no time to focus on getting the work done and that's something that might be different for us that um, looks at this as being truly work and it's our business um, than somebody who is a hobbyist who looks at the, looks at the trip as a free vacation and then it's different than somebody who works as a staff writer for, you know, for a magazine or something like that, where all they're liable for is publishing one article of, you know, say 300 words in, in a corporate media site. The solution that I think we're going to have to start doing more of is simply looking at the itinerary and making sure that it's not super packed and making sure that uh, there's time for uh, to catch up. And so as a basic example, one thing we've done this trip, um, and Newman PR has been fantastic. I really appreciate uh, Ashley who took care of us there. Um, one thing I, I really asked for her when I put the when she put the itinerary together was I said I want the hotels that we stay at to have a desk and they have to have good internet because without those two things I would not be able to do this trip. And uh, she did a spectacular job of putting the itinerary together, and that made this trip something doable. Um, obviously, we're only with her with her itinerary for a, a week. If it didn't have those things, it, it would not have been doable. Now, wrapping this interview up, I've got one last question for the two of you. And that's looking back at it from the very beginning, uh, starting your websites or even just going on trips together. If there's one thing you know now that you wish you'd known from the beginning, what would that be? To not care what other people think or what other people are doing. There's always going to be someone out there doing the same thing as you or similar. And you just 
gotta let them do themselves and you do you. And I would, I would add on to that and specifically for press trips. Um, but also I think in any trip, if there's something you need or want, ask. Literally nobody knows you and your needs better than you do. So don't assume anybody cares about you. Just take care. Of so if you, as an example, uh, I don't know, a couple of years ago, we were on a trip, a pretty cool trip up to a, I can't remember where it's called, what the name of the city is, but it's in North Carolina. They call it uh, Mayberry because it's where Andy Griffith's, uh, Andy Griffith lived and where Mayberry is supposedly based on. And the group wanted to go and do something. I can't remember what it was, but it was some kind of a, a cultural event. But across the street from this event was a really cool diner that had history going back to 1950s or something. And so I just simply said, hey, instead of going to this you know, this show about whatever it was, do you mind if I just go across the street and, and grab this and so I can shoot pictures of the food? And the host was like, yeah, that sounds great. You know, great, you know, great, great idea. And as a result, I had a good time doing that, and I had some good content. Instead of sitting there politely in a dark theater, uh, twiddling my thumbs, knowing that I was not going to cover that. While the hosts look at you, look at your stuff as being, "Hey, I'm inviting this person to, to promote our area." You need to watch out for what's going to be promotable for you, and what's going to be the best experience for for your writers and your readers. Because uh, if you're not having fun, then the content's going to suck. Stand up for yourself and and do what you need to do. And the same would be true really for anybody if they're just a, a civilian uh, going and hanging out with their, their partner. If you're driving down the street and you want to do something, you know, speak up and say, Hey Heather, I want to do this. Excellent. Excellent advice throughout this whole episode. You two. And there you have it. James and Heather sharing their travel stories with you today on the to the nation's worldwide travel couple podcast. I want to say a very special thank you to our guests. Thank you so much guys for taking the time out of your day and joining me here. Thank you. Yes, thank you. And when are you going to travel with us? Where where are we going? Hey, I'm ready to book my next cruise. I'm really excited about it, actually. <laughs> I'm also a travel advisor now. I'm a travel agent. The new word is advisor. Yeah. And that's one thing we didn't actually get a chance to talk about in the interview. And hopefully we're not going off too far off script now. But uh, monetization was one of the things that's allowed us to be successful. And in addition to sponsor posts and the meager amount we may make in advertising, um, for 10 years, I've been literally throwing leads away. As people contacted me saying, oh, you know, where do you recommend or what cruise line do you like? And now I can refer them over to Heather, who can um, uh, invest the time because she's ultimately getting paid if they book through her. And so that's an important thing that's allowing us to continue doing what we're doing. So I just want to end this interview by giving you to the floor. Let our audience know where they can check you out online, where they can reach out to you, and where they can learn more about you. So for, for mine, it's it's www.mantripping.com. And then on all the major social media, whether that's Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, TikTok, Instagram. <laughs> I even have a Snapchat account that I haven't updated in years. Um, it's just at man tripping. Mine mainly, I, I really try to concentrate a lot on Instagram and I talk to a lot of people on Instagram. So, and I never switched over from my personal. So I do have a chicken vacations account on Instagram, but it redirects you. I put something up to direct you to my Instagram, which is Heather M Hills. So I pretty much stay active with that. I do Facebook, but 
I really, Instagram, I love, and I love talking to all the different influencers on Instagram and people wanting to travel. I just find it's, you know, pictures, as they say, picture, a picture, you know, tells a, was it? A thousand words. So it really does. Thank you to all of our listeners out there, to the nations worldwide. We cannot express our appreciation enough for having you listen to today's episode. Visit us at travelcouplepodcast.com slash 84. That's this episode, episode number 84's show notes page. And learn more about everything that James and Heather have got going on. Leave a comment under the page. Let us know about your travels with your significant other if you've ever traveled separately from them and how that went. If you'd be so kind, please subscribe, leave a rating, and a review for this show. It really helps us get this episode out there into more people's ears and to bring more guests onto the show. This is Mike Pletz and Natalie hoping you have a wonderful adventure to the nations worldwide. <laughs>